Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome to the Feathered Desert. Kirsten and I today are going to talk about the Canada goose. Awesome. A frequent flyer in Arizona. So it's what I wait for when fall is just around the corner to look up and see these large bodied birds in their V formation flying over my head. Sometimes as low as I can hear their wings flapping as they propel themselves through the air to their nighttime resting spot along a water's edge. So I decided to find out a little more about these geese that represent to me a change in the seasons. Kirsten, you're up. All right. I love this idea because Canada goose, they always mean fall is coming. And the description, we would like to know what they look like. There are at least 11 subspecies of Canada goose. Now, don't let that boggle your mind too much. Everybody looks very similar, but it's usually a little size difference, maybe a small coloration difference. But in general, these geese get smaller as you move northward and darker as you go westward. The four smallest forms are now considered a different species, the cackling goose, which I love that name, cackling goose. (laughs) These big water birds with a long black neck, large tan breast, and or large gray-brown body, with large webbed feet and a wide flat bill. They have a white cheek and a white chin strap, which is really the most prominently identification. identification of them, yeah. Canada geese have a smoothly sloping transition between bill and forehead. They're actually very statuesque looking birds. I love them. I do. I like to watch them. Yes. So their habitat, Canada geese inhabit many um, areas near water, grassy fields, and grain fields. These large waterfowl are particularly drawn to lawns for two reasons. They can digest grass when they are feeding with their young. The manor cured lawns give them a wide unobstructed view of any approaching predators so thank you very much golf courses they appreciate it so as um so they are especially abundant in parks airports golf courses and other areas where expansive lawns are Mm -hmm. two subspecies have adapted to urban environments and i thought this was really interesting because they've adapted to graze on domesticated grasses year round oh that's smart yes So birds, like I said, they're like one step ahead. In spring and summer, geese concentrate their feeding on grasses and sedges, including skunk cabbage leaves, which I don't know what that is, and eelgrass. I'm glad they do. During fall and winter, they rely on berries and seeds, including agricultural grains, and seem especially fond of blueberries. Now, see, this fascinates me how scientists know this. That they know they like blueberries. I like blueberries. I can't find them. They are efficient at removing kernels from dry corn cobs. Yeah, that one's interesting to me. They got a lot more strength in that beak than you think they do. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to get nipped by them. Good night, no. All right, so talking about their social behavior, Canada geese mate for life with very low divorce rates. We (laughs) could learn a lesson there, too. Yeah. Um, And pairs remain together throughout the year. Canada geese are known to be very devoted to each other. These Geese mate assertively. Larger birds choosing larger mates and smaller geese choosing smaller mates. Canada geese do not breed until their fourth year of life. That's nice too. You got to kind of know who you are before you, you know, get involved. 
Baby geese or goslings, which I love that word goslings, are quick learners. These impressionable young birds use their mimicking skills to mimic the adult birds, which is smart. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're on the ground, so you got to get your business going pretty fast. Goslings learn how to swim just 24 hours after hatching, and parents teach their young ones how to fly when the goslings are two to three months old. That's because they'll have their flight feathers in by then. You cannot fly very well when you're just covered in downy feathers. No, but that's just fascinating to me that they teach their young how to fly because I just thought they instinctively knew. Oh, yeah. They all kind of have to figure out what to do with their arms. Or their wings, I guess. So migrating flocks generally include family groups and individuals. Young geese often remain with their parents for their entire first year, especially in larger species. I found that interesting, too. Yeah, they're pretty good parents. They put more energy into their young than a lot of other types of birds. So they do have territorial behavior. So just putting it out there. Although usually very social But during breeding season, Canada geese are highly territorial. So don't you don't want to approach those goslings. Good night. Don't do that. As they are. No, no. So (laughs) territorial territorial threat displayed by these geese may involve head pumping, bill opened with tongue raised, sounds kind of threatening, Mm. hissing, honking, and vibrating neck feathers. If the interloper does not retreat. Geese may grab each other and hit each other with their wings. And I'm just letting you know you don't want to get nipped by one of these because I have a story about my mom being chased by a Canada goose. And she ended up on a picnic table and that wasn't high enough and she had to climb on top of our station wagon (laughs) to get away from this um, dad who we inadvertently um, came between him and his mate and his goslings. Oh, yes. And it was when I was very young. I was eight years old, and that was a while ago. And I have this vivid memory. Oh, yeah, you'll never forget that. Yes. And I don't know why he chose my mom. Maybe she was the she oldest. She was maybe the tallest the biggest. or yes. biggest, yeah. But he just went after her. And he nipped her. He gave her a bruise on oh, her yeah. ankle. Yep. Yeah. Oh, the same thing with my husband. Um, he walked to school when he was a child. And there was a lake that they had to pass by, and they knew when it was breeding season for the geese. And they would avoid it. They walked, like, almost a mile out of their way to avoid the uh, area where the geese were because they knew if they got too close, they were going to get nipped. And so, yeah, they... And you can't outrun them. You no. can try, but you cannot outrun no. them. Surprisingly enough, they're very quick. Very, very And fast. I have been out at the Gilbert Water Ranch early in the morning and seen a parent, both the mom and dad... Uh, goose, Canada goose, defended their goslings when yeah. they were caught off guard by a coyote. Yeah. And, and that coyote backed down. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The coyote's they, not dumb. <laughs> they, yeah. So they're the very, very impressive. So. And nothing is considered too scary or too intimidating for them to defend their, not, their goslings not against. Com- yeah, not when it comes Humans, to dogs, cats. Yeah. I mean, they're going to go after anything. Yeah. All right. Okay, so the V formation, that's the thing that everybody thinks about whenever we think about geese. The V formation is kind of synchronized aerial tailgating. That's a lovely way to put that. It marks the flight of flocks of larger birds like geese. Observers believe that each bird behind the leader is taking advantage of the lift of a corkscrew of air coming off the wingtips of the bird in front. So each bird flies a little higher than the bird in front of it. The corkscrew updraft is called a tip vortex. And it enables the geese to save considerable energy during long flights. This formation also helps the weaker of the flyers to have support through the migration flights. 
The V formation may also enhance birds' ability to see and hear each other, thus avoiding mid-air collisions. That's super smart. Yes. Smaller birds probably do not create enough of an updraft to help others in the flock and don't fly in Vs. Yes, and they do that in a lot of people. It's a bit controversial if this ever if this really happens or not, but there seems to be a lot of research supporting it that the older birds who have done this flight before actually will change out positions in the lead. Yes. So they'll give the one in the front a break, and then the ones that are smaller, younger, maybe it's their first flight, their first year, they're learning. They won't take the lead because they're smaller in size, and they don't really know where they're going yet. But this is how birds um, that fly like this will learn their migration paths. Yes. So really very, very interesting. It is, and it's something that it's not instinctive. This is an evol. The geese have learned this evolutionary Yes. Through um, migrating. Yes, and they pass that information on to their younger generations. So that's why the smaller birds are usually following in the back, because they have to learn everything. They don't instinctively know. They know that they're supposed to migrate, but knowing where they're going, they have to learn that. Yeah, and to me, that just says so much about um, the bird itself. It does. Because they're taking care of each other, and they're working as a team. Yeah. Once again, let's learn a lesson, people. We could learn a lesson. (laughs) So, whiffling in for a landing. I like that phrase. That's a fun, that's a fun word. <laughs> so, when a flock of Canada geese comes in for a landing at a lake, you might be surprised by their appearance of laissez-faire attitude towards landing on the water surface. But that is only the perception of you as the observer. If the flock comes in too fast or too high above the water, geese have a little trick to slow themselves down for a safe landing. The geese stop flapping and then quickly roll their bodies upside down while twisting their long neck the right way up. That sounds like a yoga pose. It does. That I could not do. Finally, they rotate again to right themselves just in time to gently splash down. This maneuver is called whiffling. Hmm. And it seems to help these birds to slow down quickly. But it might just be for fun. It sounds like it would be fun. Maybe it does both. It yeah. helps you slow down, and it is kind of fun yeah, to do. After, you know, you just want to take a moment. Take you a just moment. Flew all that you way. Just flew all that way. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. So one of the questions we have here is migratory or not? If Canada geese are supposedly migratory, then why do we see them here all year round? That is an excellent question, listeners. Up until the early 1900s, Canada geese were almost hunted to extinction. Yes, that's right. This large-bodied bird that is so abundant here now was very close to being not here at all. In the early 1900s, non-migratory geese were brought in by the hundreds to populate wildlife refuges. Many of these geese that stay year-round are the descendants of those birds introduced by game management and authorities in an effort to revive some of the original wild populations that have been decimated by hunting, which is what we just said. They have to learn to migrate. So I say that Canada geese rewilding was a success. Absolutely. I mean, they're like everywhere. So yay. Yes. So when you hear that familiar honking and look up to these, uh, to see these amazing birds flying in their V formation, hopefully this information helps you to feel more awe-inspired. 